source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. The uh, well, probably not the only the only uh, college Big Ten college football podcast where one of the hosts remains. Absolutely fucking livid about still not having any rivalry trophies since Purdue took our fucking cannon back earlier. I, I'm, I'm still very mad about bragging rights, and I don't know when I'll stop being mad. Um, but uh, again, once again, uh, Steve Braun, a.k.a. Thalpasaurus, I'm with Andrew Kraszewski, and we're going to talk about championship. Uh, we regained the Axe game, and all it cost us was everything else fun. Yep, the soul stone of championship games. Just spectacular that we're here, yeah. and all we had to do was throw Indiana off a cliff. The one thing, the one thing that was going to be fun about this year from a schedule perspective was the one versus one, two versus two, so down to the seven versus seven and shit, and we can't even have that. Thanks a lot, axe holes. So, Illinois <laughs> at Penn State. Yay, so much fun. I'm so glad we're doing this championship week undercard thing so Illinois can go play at Penn State. The Axe game better be the fucking best game I've ever seen in my life because we were supposed to play Michigan and have Brandon Peters against half-dead Harbaugh with head coach Rod Smith at the controls. I mean, you can't deny that at the very least there was some intrigue there. But no, we're just going to head to the middle of nowhere for a dreary ass-kicking in some gray weather. It's probably going to be wet and just gonna be shitty we're probably gonna lose like same score that we had against northwestern and it's gonna be stupid and nobody we're not gonna do anything inventive although everybody that could have been calling the defense is now gone so we'll see what happens maybe we actually call some man coverage maybe we call a blitz who knows i don't give a shit about this game the x game had better be worth it it better make last year's egg bowl look like this year's hat game <laughs> you know there's a very real chance in this broadcast that they're going to bring up Tim Beckman, you know, looking for an angle to drum up some interest in this game. Well, it depends. I don't know how else you do it. I mean, it depends on how early it gets out of hand because you're definitely going to see some highlights of that time that Penn State scored 35 points in the fourth quarter a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot. Of, I mean – Hey, who knows? Maybe they'll actually spend a lot of the game talking about replacement coaches for Illinois, but that would involve spending a lot of a game talking about Illinois where they're playing Penn State. So they're going to be talking about Penn State's recruiting class. Yeah, they'll be done with talking about this game probably two drives into the second And they'll be talking about Ohio State. Okay, I'm sorry. I forgot. I lost the plot. I forgot the purpose of our conference. I forgot the reason the Big Ten exists. Yeah, you're you're one degree of separation away from Ohio State because you see Penn State played Ohio State. And actually, never mind what's going on in the field. We're going to show you some highlights from that game. Penn State gave Ohio State quite a fight, you know, almost made them bleed their own blood. That, in my mind, means Penn State should probably be ranked in the top 20, right? And, you know, and I'm, ta- and I'm saying if I'm on the committee right now, okay, look, look, if I'm the committee, okay, I'm looking at the whole picture. Yes, Penn State hasn't had the kind of season – that you might have expected a team that gave Ohio State that much of a fight to get. But at the time, at the time, you look at the way Penn State was ranked, you look at the way Penn State was playing against Ohio State, 
And you got to say that's a quality win for the Buckeyes. I, I, I just don't see how you can put any, any anybody in it over. If I'm the playoff committee, that's how I feel about Ohio State vis-a-vis Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Clemson, Alabama, Alabama, Clemson. Ohio State. At which point I have taken my sound bar, ripped it out of the TV, taken it into the backyard where I keep a trash can specifically for the collection of dog shit, and I just go ahead and stick the sound bar right in there uh, where the sounds coming out of it belong. So I'll I, I tell you what, Justin Fields, really the kind of season that you can only fairly compare it to what Zion Williamson did in the NCAA tournament oh the one time. I'm pretty, sure, okay. right. I'm pretty sure they won the national title that year, right? Nothing happened to them that was bad, right? Oh, it must have so because it's, I, uh, it's the only thing I remember about that year. It's decided. I have to get a gun because I need to be able to shoot my TV if that happens. <laughs> There's no other solution. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that could happen. I mean, that's kind of the direct. Really, all we need to do is find a way to work Tim Tebow into this. Does, does Illinois have any connection to Tim? Well, okay. Same school colors. You know, you know what I'm reminded of every time I see a team in blue and orange is the one time when Tim Tebow did and, and then we're off to the races. Well, okay, when you, you look, in- you look, you had victories by Illinois against Penn State. The only time they've won in Happy Valley was in 2010 with the head coach Ron Zook. Of course, Ron Zook came from Florida where he'd recruited Tim Tebow. Okay, you've talked me into it. I'm not watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what, talk else? About. What, what are they going to talk about in this game? Penn State's going to run the ball a lot because they can do it very easily. And I have no idea what we're going to do on offense, and it doesn't really matter. I just hope nobody gets hurt. Well, I mean, if you, you sit back in that zone against Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington. Maybe, <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about something more cheerful. Good old-fashioned rivalry game. The old Oaken Bucket. Wait, nope, canceled. Both programs having uncontrolled problems with COVID because they're from Indiana, a state that, as far as I know, has not even attempted to control the spread of COVID-19. Now, their most cherished football game of the year is canceled. You don't say. Whoever could have seen that coming? Well, look, I'm sure that the officials, I'm sure that that the elected officials in Indiana understand that the path to power involves ignoring public health crises at the state level because the last one that did that is now the vice president. Yeah, completely true. At least for another little more than a month, then hopefully we can start to put this whole thing behind us. All right, another one that, again, wouldn't have happened if we'd kept the original structure, but is going to now, Michigan at Iowa. Golly gee whiz, won't this be swell? Oh boy. Jim Harbaugh gets his face caved in by a pretty good team. Oh, you know, not like we saw this movie a few weeks or anything, but at least we got the axe game. Never mind, it's canceled. Nope, time out. Yep, nope, can't play it. So I'm going to be very careful in how I phrase this. Am I the only one who finds it extremely suspicious that – let me put it this way. Let's wind back to the off season. We all remember how – cantankerous Ryan Day and Scott Frost were in demanding the season to be played. We want to play football. I just want to know how I'm supposed to explain to my players how I'm supposed to look them in the eye and tell them they can't compete. Right there with them was Jim Harbaugh. And an angle that he took was, we are such galaxy brain geniuses at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor that 
Our COVID protocols are immaculate. They are perfect. We have no concerns. Let us play right now. There is no risk of a COVID outbreak. Q2 and 4 start to the season later. All of a sudden, they become the first team in college football to miss three games in a row because of a COVID outbreak they can't get a handle on. I find it a little suspicious. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'm I mean, I just find it a perfect, a perfectly emblematic thing of just like Jim Harbaugh dredging up just one last burst of hubris. Um, I don't know where he can even get another one now. I mean, what, what else could he do? He presumably has something lined up for signing day tomorrow. You know, they're, they're speculating on sports radio here today that they're going to announce his contract extension tomorrow. So they can draw attention back to themselves. Oh, look, he's got this extension, top 10 recruiting class. This year doesn't count. Don't worry about it. You, you, is there any doubt in your mind that Michigan's going to be ranked in the top 20 going into next season? Any doubt in your mind? Congratulations. You're a half a game better than Lovey Smith. Yeah. Man. Um, I guess that's a, I should, we should probably move on before I say something I regret because there's something about this whole thing. I, I'm, I have a difficulty – no, we're gonna we're gonna move on. There's nothing else I can say about this that's gonna be productive. Easy, Herb Street. I find it a little too convenient. Easy, Herb Street. I don't think he would have said that if he didn't have a reason. He's he's not the Buckeye slap that a lot of people around here think he is. But anyway, my own team actually is playing a game. Um, thank God, by the way, that we scrapped that whole stupid cross divisional thing that would have been a unique and one-of-a-kind experience for us in college in college football here in the Big Ten. We're going back to just making up games that were missed so that I get to see my team play our hated blood rival, Maryland. God Instead damn it. of Nabarcus. Huh. That at least would have been interesting because, like, if Mel Tucker becomes the latest in the line of Big Ten coaches to dunk on chosen golden boy Scott Frost, I would have gotten a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Instead, it's him versus Mike Loxley, who, again, I, I don't have any special feelings for one way or another other than thinking long-term this guy probably isn't going to pan out for Maryland. And in terms of the teams on the field, I have no idea what to expect. Both teams have kind of uncertainty at the quarterback position, although in Michigan State's case, it's absolute insanity for them to go back to Rocky Lombardi if he's healthy enough to play. I just want to see Peyton Thorne get a real chance to be the starter and see what he's capable of doing. Because he looked pretty good last week. I put this game as a couple couple of random number generators square off. Yeah, I don't know know what else there really is to say about this. You've got kind of a shortage of data points for Maryland and that they've only played five games. Michigan State, I think, I think is a little – a little more consistently bad than a random number generator. They've got two outlier data points and it feels more significant than it might be because there haven't been that many games played. But if they'd had, again, like (laughs) I keep thinking back to what if we had played the schedule we were projected to before a season, remember that would have included games against BYU and against (laughs) Miami. (laughs) Oh, those would probably be two more hideous losses. Like those would probably be a couple more 30 plus point losses. So I think the overall record has really been about what I expected it to be. A couple of the results are different than I thought, but the record has settled into about where it should have been. Michigan State's one of the two or three worst teams in the conference this year. 
You know what we would have done? We would have gone through November needing one more win for a bowl game and then got dunked on by Northwestern to end at five and seven. We would have had a very Illinois season, in other words. <laughs> I can't argue with you, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, um, that's how it would have lined up. Yeah. I just, I don't know. So I don't I don't know what to expect from this game. Um, there is. I imagine of, Michigan State can stop the funk a little better than Rucker. Yeah, there is one other thing though, which is that um, Shakur Brown, Michigan State's probably best corner, declared for the draft. So it's not clear if he's going to be playing. Um, and they've also at various times, like guys have just been out. You know, it kind of surprised this guy's not playing. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out and who's available. Again, I, I expressed a desire in the review piece to see more of the young players. And there's kind of some foreboding to me if we don't, because it probably means there's a big wave of transfers coming. Like Mel Tucker hasn't said as much, but you can kind of, you can read the tea leaves a little bit on some of the comments he's made to suggest there is big time attrition coming to the program this off season. And you, you can kind of figure out based on who's playing and who's not, you know, who's likely to stay. So, all right, we beat around the bush often enough. Let's get to the games that we're really here for. Conference championship game, Ohio State and Northwestern. Can you imagine the state of the college football discourse if – who gives a shit? Can you imagine the discourse if instead of working to pass legislation that gives corporations immunity from COVID-related lawsuits, our government actually tried to do something about the coming homeless crisis and actually help the working class? My point is, yes, we can imagine all sorts of things, but who gives a shit? Do you know where you live? This is Ohio State's conference. Yeah. And we made a whole season for them. There's uh, there's really no way. So think back to the Northwestern Ohio State Conference championship game of just two years ago, which, by the way, feels like it was about 20 years ago. The gap between these teams is considerably wider than it was then. Somehow Northwestern is nonetheless here as a one-loss team. I mean, you look back over their season, there are some results that are truly puzzling, especially the Iowa game, really. But I do not see a way for Northwestern to win this game. Like, it, short, of, short of, like, a Justin Fields injury, you know, three or four turnovers, again, like, a, a complete cataclysm for Ohio State. There's nothing within kind of the normal bounds of how this game might go that makes you think Northwestern has the slightest chance in how to win. And you know what? Let's be honest with ourselves. If it does get to the fourth quarter and it's been the stupidest football game you've ever seen in your life and it's still close, uh, you can bet it's going to get chippy and that certain things are going to get called certain ways. Oh, I don't know if you're insinuating that there might, might be a little bit of a fix in here. I don't think it's a fix. I'm just saying if it's, oh, a, yeah. if it's, a, close, if it's a close game, I don't know how things will have been called, but you can bet that if it comes down to Ohio State salting it away, eh, they just won't call holding as much as they would have otherwise. Just everybody, let's get out of here and go home. Yeah, you know, you might just see uh, maybe uh, maybe your senior linebacker, Patty, there gets uh, tagged with a little bit of a targeting, huh? Oh, it's uh, too bad he had to dip his dip his helmet those couple extra degrees. You know, totally within the technical confines of the rules. 
I'm Are just, you insinuating that Patty's going to get whacked? Are we going to get Patty whacked in this game? Patty and uh, Blake O'Gallagher and uh, Chris O'Bergen, you know, the whole law firm, um, which they can't stop talking about. So I wasn't here to discuss the whole, you know, planting Ohio State in the conference championship game for no reason with you last week. And we won't go back through it again because you and MNW did a pretty good job discussing it. But there is just one thing I would add as kind of my two cents on that. Imagine that Ohio State and Indiana's positions had been reversed, okay? And Indiana is the team that's 5-0, and has the head-to-head win, but because of a rule the conference has put into place, they're not eligible for the championship game. Does anybody out there think, for the briefest of moments, that the same sequence of events would then have transpired, that the conference executives would quickly meet and change the rules and get Indiana in the title game? Do you really think that would have happened? Because if you do, I found some seaside property in Florida last week that I'd love to sell you. Hit me up in the direct email. Hit me up in the direct messages or in my email. Be, and said, be honest with yourselves out there. You know the truth. Conference never would have done this for anyone other than Ohio State. The only thing that is different between the Big Ten and Big 12-dominated Texas is we pretend here by dividing the money equally. But when it comes to the things that people care about, the casual fans, none of us care that the money is divided equally. We want to be treated equally in ways that actually matter to us. It doesn't matter to us that our athletic department gets the same amount of money as Ohio State. They get treated differently. And that's bullshit. Absolutely. So let's move on and discuss the X game. So... You know, I'm, you know, I'm with Illinois. I don't give a shit about trophy games or rivalry games of any type because I'm, I'm Illinois in 2020. Uh, I don't care about rivalry games and trophy games, so I don't really care about that angle here. But this was, of course, the most important game that they just had to play. These teams both got spanked by Iowa pretty good. <clears throat> Who's going to even be available for this game? Who knows? Um, Rashad Bateman has opted out, so he's gone for Minnesota, but they've looked okay-ish on offense without him. Certainly not the same kind of vertical passing game, but but they needed to see what their offense would look like with Chris Ottman-Bell as the number one, so they get a chance to work on some of that stuff. And yeah, it, it's been a couple years now since we had, I mean, Minnesota's three and three, Wisconsin's two and three. Despite the fact that this game means a lot to both of these teams, kind of doesn't feel like it's going to have quite the same sizzle that it usually does. And again, like this is a different sort of thing. Like rivalry weekend is Thanksgiving. This game should have happened two weeks ago. Obviously that couldn't happen this season. So we got to play it when, I mean, you talk about people normally tuning out rivalry games because it's the end of the season this year when everyone is just talking about the positioning in the playoff, like none of this other stuff, man, it's being played in the literal same day as the conference championship game. Like nobody outside of those two states is going to be paying attention to this game. How different is it though, from the acceleration of income inequality that's gotten wet. I mean, that's just been an opportunity, right? So we're, we're, we're headed towards a situation where the only thing that matters is the playoffs for TV. That's the only thing that TV talks about. And those of us that care about any of the shit that usually comes to the trapping of college football fandom, we can all just get bent because that doesn't make as much money. If anything, this has been a huge opportunity to push everything in that direction. Speaking of income inequality, 
Let's talk about some teams that have found themselves impoverished for wins this year. Nebraska and Rutgers, although, you know, Rutgers doing a little bit better off picking themselves up by their bootstraps. That's definitely possible. So, okay, this one actually might be pretty fun. Yeah, it might be. It, it probably fun in a pretty stupid way, but what, what would you, what, what? You want to see a good game? Oh, uh, you want to see, you want to see LSU Clemson, a couple of NFL caliber offenses out there just slinging the ball and looking crisp and, you know, making timely big plays on defense? No, give me stupid fun. Give me seven turnovers. Give me a couple of, give me, give me like 20 or 30 broken tackles. Um, yeah. Give me, give me stupid fun. Give me this fun. This is the fun that I want to watch. Absolutely. It's going to be a very new, red game. Between one new head coach who is having a time of his life, far exceeding expectations, <laughs> another guy who is desperate for a win <laughs> to not have the season two and six with a loss to Rutgers as the last thing that your fan base has to think about Yep, for an offseason. Call Greg Schiano Vance Joseph because he is having the time of his life. <laughs> um, I got to imagine Martinez. I got to imagine Martinez gets a start for Nebarcus. Um, it just if Greg Schiano literally wins four games this year, is it too late to take back Coach of the Year and give it to him? I mean, four games. He deserves some kind of acknowledgement because, again, as we discussed last it's year. It's more than Dennis Green won the year he got Big Ten Coach of the Year. And this is an absolutely identical situation to that in terms of expectations for this team where that coach took over. Okay, it's, it's as close as you're going to see, you know, this late teens Rutgers versus mid-80s Northwestern. So that's it. Um, last thing. We're not going to get into it too deep, but to continue on my theme of man doesn't Ohio State get the benefit of the doubt, the all-conference teams came out earlier today, and there was one thing that I found kind of surprising. Maybe it shouldn't have been surprising because I'm not saying that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are undeserving players or that they're not excellent, but didn't we give Ohio State enough credit on this team? I'm looking at the coaches in particular, and yes, I know the coaches don't actually do this. It's just some graduate assistant who flips through the media guides or whatever. But I've designed in the outline a little bit of a thought exercise for you. I've listed here the statistics of eight wide receivers. Um, I would like, Steve, to see if you are able to go through here without peeking. And we're not in the same room, so I can't verify you're not peeking. This is the our code. This is like we're doing – we're sim. Simulating an AP bio final here in the Zoom age where I don't know how teachers stop kids from cheating. I mean, how could you? But anyway, there are eight players listed there. Um, there's a whole bunch of statistics. Maybe when we post this uh, as an article, you can copy and paste that list. And we'll see how many, if any of our listeners want to venture a guess as to which two of these are the first team all-conference receivers um, Olave and Wilson. See if you can take a stab at this. Let's see how you do. Oh, okay. So yeah. obviously it's going to be play. It's going to be player E and player B. Okay. So the two player stat lines that you've picked out, player B had 46 receptions, 46 receptions, 695 yards and six touchdowns. Player E 53 receptions, 625 yards and eight touchdowns. Leading the league in receptions and touchdowns, while the other uh, was second in receptions, 
had six touchdowns and led the league in yardage. And so you have chosen player B, Jahan Dotson, and player E, David Bell. You are 0 for 2. Would you, like try, would you like to try again? I would. Let's see. Well, the logical choice here is let's go with player A and player C. Player C has 687 yards on 34 receptions and seven touchdowns, while player A is third in the conference with 42 receptions, 557, and six touchdowns. You have chosen player A, Bo Melton of Rutgers, and player C, Ty Freifogel, Indiana. You are another 0 for 2. Would you I like have to- still not chosen the first team all Big Ten <laughs> wide receivers. You haven't chosen either of them, yeah. There's only four left, so at this point, obviously, it's a little bit – uh, well, but let's see. I'm curious. I mean, who would you pick of the four that are left? D, oh, F, the F, and H. Four that remain. I'm going to go with uh, player H by virtue of the 35 receptions and six touchdowns. Okay. Um, that's a volume guy that can score and pick his moments well. And then I'll go with player D, 34 receptions, 572, five touchdowns. Aha, we have a winner. Player D is Garrett Wilson. So you have chosen one of the two all-conference receivers. Player H is Parker Washington, another player from Penn State who did not get any all-conference recognition at all, I don't believe. Um, Yeah, so player F is Olave. And player G is actually Jalen Naylor, who has had (laughs) – yeah, who has managed 515 yards and four touchdowns despite – I mean, essentially having, let's see, they were shut out once. They got seven points against Iowa. <laughs> so, uh, and they've only played seven games. So, yeah, player players D and F are your all-conference receivers. Oh, shit. Maybe we should insert a note about telling people not to – well, it'll be in the body of the article where they can play this game beforehand. Maybe we just drop a note about what, what, you know, what minute and second. Spoiler alert! Yeah, so they can stop what they want. So, anyway, the point of that whole article is not to crap on Olave and Wilson because they're excellent players and perfectly worthy of some all-conference recognition. But why is David Bell not? Right, and and so... Uh, da- da- <laughs> I, uh, like, we, we can't give David Bell first-team All-Big Ten. I, I assume that the rationale here is that you've got to help Ohio State's playoff case in any way you can. I guess, as though... Or just that they project better to the NFL level, in which case, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to put Josh Bebe up there against people because I could definitely see that guy making it on an NFL roster, uh, perhaps to a greater extent than Ty Freifogel. Ty Freifogel is a much better receiver. But yeah. that's not what we're talking about here, clearly. <laughs> we're talking, yeah. We're talking about how springy and big are you. So how how long are your forearms? So I gathered. Do you all, have long fingers? Was, Please give me the digit length. I, was able I to, need the digit length in millimeters. See, for God's sake, I, I was able to make this comparison. We talking five seventy threes? By just five seventy threes or five seventy fives? By going to the Big Ten's conference site where they have statistics listed, and if you go in this section, they give there's the receiving category. And they have Garrett Wilson listed as number one and Chris Olave listed as number two. But neither of them leads the conference in 
any receiving category that I can discern that's listed here. I would assume that that's on a per game basis then. Um, yeah, so it's in, that's the last category is average yards per game. Their number's one and two because they've only played five games each. That's true. But again, so here, Wilson's got 34 catches, 572, five touchdowns. Olave, 36, 528, five touchdowns. Pretty remarkably similar numbers between the two of them, actually. David Bell's only played one more game than the two of them. He's got 53 receptions for 625 and eight touchdowns. So, and also a walk-on uh, was throwing him the ball. Yeah, his, his, and his quarterback got hurt in the middle of the game, in the middle of the season. He didn't have a Heisman candidate quarterback, two first-round offensive linemen. He didn't have Rondale Moore for the first three games. I mean, he was the only credible receiving threat. Each of those guys had the other fucking guy. Yeah, but there's there's no metric by which Olave or Wilson are markedly better than David Bell, or even slightly better. Bell is the best receiver in the conference by a wide margin, and I think Fry Fogel is right behind him. And if you don't like either of those guys, you still have to explain why Jahan Dotson hasn't had a better season, considering that his offense hasn't been able to run the ball for most of the year. So, I don't know. And you know what? And if that's not the case, if Olave and Wilson are, in fact, the best receivers in the Big Ten, then guess what? That means Raheem Mostert was the best running back in the Big Ten in 2013. I think that's a good spot to cut it off. I know we have a little bit of coaching stuff we could do at the end, but that that feels like a pretty demonstrative end to me. Yeah. All right. We can do the coaching vacancy thing after the season's officially over, too. I mean, we'll kind of Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping that we won't have to talk about it for too much longer for for my school, but – at the same time, it kind of doesn't make a, make that much of a difference, but every day it counts. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm, being, right. I'm being told that apparently... Da- Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off-tackle empire!